is uh, Mike Edelhart, and I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast about beginnings, the beginnings of companies, new ideas, new areas of science, sometimes even a little glimpse of the future. And today I'm here with Sam Shames from Ember. Hey, Sam. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you. So we've been through the long, strange trip. So why don't we kind of roll tape back and and talk about just what Ember is and how you got involved in it. Sounds great. So Ember Labs is what we call a thermal wellness technology company. And in simpler language, we're obsessed with temperature and how it can be a tool to help you feel better. We started when my two co-founders and I were engineering students at MIT. And we actually came up with the idea from being too cold in an over-air conditioned lab and we were tired of having to put on sweatshirts to stay comfortable. So we said, you know, why can't we just heat and cool ourselves directly? There's got to be a better way. And we didn't know if, you know, that was a good idea or a bad idea, if, if that would work. But what happened when we built our first prototypes is we were just surprised to see that changing the temperature of just one spot really did affect how we felt overall. And today we really understand the science there that what it does and what we're doing in, in heating and cooling this part of your wrist is really providing a pathway to the brain to help balance the nervous system. And so we're really passionate about this way of using temperature as a tool to hack the brain and to help the body balance. And um, we've been really fortunate to be able to reach customers and help with things like the menopausal symptom cluster, including hot flashes, sleep, anxiety, help people with medical conditions like Raynaud's and multiple sclerosis. And of course, you know, people with just everyday issues with discomfort. It's really amazing. And I used to summer down south in uh, heavy duty Alabama where it would get hot, hot. And the old biddies would do this thing where you'd sprinkle a little cool water or a little really cold southern iced tea on the inside of your wrist, which never made much sense to me, but it did seem to work. So why does it work? Why does affecting how you feel at this spot make any difference at all except to say my wrist is cold? That is a great question and it's it's one that we were really skeptical about too and it really works because what we're not doing you know the common misconception is oh we're changing your core body temperature and that when I'm too hot or when I'm too cold or when I'm having a hot flash that that's changing your core body temperature. That's the misconception it's kind of treating people the way you would essentially a steak and saying, you know, if we cook you to medium rare, that's all you need. In fact, our interactions with temperature and our thermoregulatory system is, is more complicated. A good example is when you were really hot down south in Alabama, you would probably start sweating. And you don't, you start sweating so that your core body temperature doesn't change, right? Your brain is doing all these different activities. It's basically monitoring the rate at which heat is being lost through your skin and it's adjusting your metabolism. It's giving you goosebumps. It's having you sweat all with the goal of keeping your body right at that, you know, 98.6 mark. So what we figured out is that by heating and cooling in a way that we've patented, we can basically provide a really strong signal to the brain to help that balance but we can also do so in a way that's completely safe. So if you are you know, outside and getting heat stroke 
and you put on the device, your wrist will feel cold, but the rest of you will still feel really warm and your brain will say, you know, find some shade. So it's an all natural way to do it that really leverages these, these thermal waveforms that we developed. It's kind of remarkable. And, and the other thing that's remarkable, at least to us when we first met you guys, was that it's so small, it's so natural. It's one of these, you know, technology starts disappearing as it gets more advanced. And my first thought when I saw the Ember was five years ago, 10 years ago, you'd had to go into a hospital and you'd stood inside the Ember. And there would be like Emberologists around you and they would, it cost you a fortune and you'd have to be covered by insurance and, and it would be all complicated and uh, institutional and this you just stick it on your wrist and go about your business and there it is a, a consumer product with clinical capabilities baked into it yeah and just putting myself back in that 2013 moment of inception shoes we could have never imagined that there was actually a clinical potential the fact that we're really actually able to impact people with medical conditions is just amazing and gratifying beyond what we could have imagined. And you know, to your point about the size, size and power consumptions were the reasons or are the reasons no one has done this before. Sharper Image actually in the late 90s came out with a portable you know, neck cooler. And I use portable in quotes because not only was the device you know, giant and bulky, but it literally had like a power bank, you know, basically the size of like an old Walkman that you'd have to like keep in your pocket. So part of the reason we're here today is because, you know, certainly battery technology has advanced, but we really solved the power consumption problem by looking at how you heat and cool people through a human-centric lens and not like a physicist. A physicist would look at it and say, you need this amount of watts to change the body temperature and, you know, to generate that amount of watts, you just need a device that's giant. We looked at it and said, rather than try to change your heat balance, let's basically tap into what the brain is already doing. And it turns out that uses a fraction of the power. So you're a founder here, but you're not the CEO of the company. So talk a little bit about that for folks that are listening. You started this thing, you understand the science. Why'd you decide to have somebody else run the company? You know, it kind of goes all the way back to that Matt, David, and I, we did not set out to start a company. You know, we were scientists, we were engineers. We came up with this idea thinking that, you know, the best thing that could possibly happen was we win this prototyping contest and get $10,000 and we ride off into the sunset. After we won the contest, the idea blew up. It went completely viral. We got media attention from all over the world. And from that, we had, you know, thousands of people emailing us saying two things. Temperature is the biggest problem in my life. And when can I buy this? And so that was what convinced us to start a business. But, you know, our kind of master plan when we said start a business was, okay, we'll make a product, you know, we'll launch it on Kickstarter, dot, 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 you know, we'll grow our sales and, and we'll, someone's going to buy us for a lot of money. And it took four years to actually make the product and launch it on Kickstarter. That was in October of 17. We ended 2017 and we were starting to sell on our own website and we realized, oh, we're in the dot, 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 you know, we, we, we made the product we're not ready to sell the company. So we're really in this phase that we didn't have a plan for. And moreover, we were in a phase where the real challenges and hurdles were less on the technical side and less on the science side and more on the business side. You know, we all looked around and said, yeah, I'm sure we, we could learn those skills, but boy, things will go a lot faster if we bring in someone who's done that before. So where is the company at now? 
Yeah, so today we're through our Series B financing. So we're, we're very well capitalized. The team is 20 people. Um, and you know what we're excited about on a couple of different timescales is in the short term, obviously the holidays 2020, we have a really awesome product offering, including a new software feature for Ember Wave that we just launched called Embrace, which lets you use the mobile app that goes with the hardware to send warmth along with a message to another person. Um, so if you know someone who owns the Ember Wave, you can send them and embrace. And it's a really nice way to stay connected with people who these days you, you don't get to see. On the, the medium term, we're super excited about just continuing to get the, the product out there. You know, if you just look at the traction we've had within the menopausal women population, that's a market that globally is going to be over 1.1 billion people by 2025. And the existing kind of best option for them is hormone replacement therapy. And that's not a great option for a lot of people. And it's not an option that, you know, people are, are particularly excited about. And then in the long term, we're, we're super excited about the continued technology development. You know, we really feel like we're just scratching the surface in terms of what temperature can do. Uh, whether that's the therapeutic applications, whether that's the social psychology applications like Embrace. Um, so the fundamental research is there's still a lot to be done. And then, you know, hardware development is an ongoing process. So what's your biggest worry? So it sounds I'm listening to this in my mind and people are listening to us or watching us. And they're going, man, this guy had it easy. Everything's going great, you know, up and to the right. He's, Problem is going to be, you know, how to exit. So what are the things that keep you up at night? At this point, I think I've gotten wise enough to say that the biggest worry is probably something I can't predict. That was certainly the case in 2018 after launching the product when we started to see sales growth month over month. I didn't understand anything about seasonality. And so I was like, buy all the inventory. And then <laughs> lo and behold, seasonality was a thing. We had way too much cash tied up. So that was an example. You know, in 2019, I can think of plenty of examples of just things getting delayed. And then this year, obviously, a pandemic, right? The ultimate unexpected thing. So uh, to some extent, that's, I think, the, the overarching fear. I, I am the person who, you know, looks at our cash balance every day. And I have to remind myself that even though it looks good today, you know, remember what it was like when it didn't and, and really plan for that and be conservative. You know, at the same time, we really have built a pretty strong foundation and, you know, it really feels like more than any other point, we, we sort of own our own destiny. When I talk about Ember, sometimes I talk about it's on your wrist. Anybody could buy it. It's so simple and it really works, but it has this clinical potential and it's very deep and scientific uh, and it's kind of profound. But it also dawned on me that you're going to have lots of people, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people with these devices on demonstrating by their actions how they feel about temperature all day, every day. Isn't that going to produce the single largest set of data about human beings and their interaction with temperature ever? We think so. Yeah. Uh, I, I love your enthusiasm about that. And, you know, we're, we're on our way. I think I'm not going to give the exact number, but it's tens of millions of minutes logged that our customers have had. And that's already helping us generate really rich insights. Um, and so to give some examples of what we've been able to do with it thus far, back in 2019, we started to see a lot of usage in the middle of the night. And so we said, that's interesting. Let's start talking to customers. 
because we have this direct consumer business and this direct relationship, we could just email some people and say, hey, can we interview you? What we learned about was, you know, night sweats. I'm waking up in the middle of the night and the Kool-Aid's helping me get back asleep. From that, we said, okay, well, maybe we can help. So we actually designed a fall asleep mode that is a temperature profile that is engineered to match how your breathing rate naturally slows and kind of help lull you back to sleep. You know, I think at the most abstract level, what this should enable is population level insights. So really understanding what a given segment is feeling, but then personal insights to help you understand, hey, Mike, you used cooling five times more than normal on Wednesday. You know, what was going on in your life? Are you having a super stressful day? And, uh, you know, we do think that potentially both of those could be new uh, monetization opportunities. Yeah, it, it sure seems like, and, and you know, for those listening who aren't sort of close to science, on the other side, there'll be folks sweating and slaving to get 300 people to take a, a device of some kind, and then all kinds of effort to get them to actually use the device, and then even more effort to get them to report on the use of the device, and then whole chunks of science are based on that, and here you've got all of these people and all of this natural interaction, uh, it seems beyond even the expected uses of it, it could just be a boost to the whole area of science. You know, one of the things that's very interesting historically, hot flashes literally until the 70s were thought of as women being emotional. And, you know, there's probably lots of other medical conditions where physicians or clinicians are not taking their patients seriously. With a tool like this, where you can really have a digital log of symptoms, um, you know, it creates a way for patients to be their own advocates. And especially for some of our folks with more you know, rare medical conditions like POTS, that I think is, is really powerful. So what about now? Now that you're into it and you've gone to all this effort and you've gotten to this point, what do you want to have happen now? What do you want to have happen next? What's the end game? Yeah, um, very interesting question. And it's one I think we've all been thinking a lot about in the, you know, in the pandemic where life looks very, uh, you know, there's not a lot of variation. And I think... You know, at the end of the day, I can say I feel super grateful to love what I get to do for work, whether it's the learning aspect of new challenges, whether it's really feeling like my contributions are moving the needle, whether it's the customer impact or even the team, you know, just all those areas. I feel super privileged to have that opportunity and there's no short term desire to do anything else. You know, I think that's probably about as good a place to uh, end this conversation as any. Thanks for uh, being here. It's great to talk to you. Congratulations on all you've accomplished. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to see you for real and truly uh, back there on the East Coast at some time uh, real soon. That'd be great. Thanks for having me and definitely looking forward to getting to see you in person again soon. 